Last week, Jacob introduced us to the Songs of Ascent. 15 psalms that are, that are grouped together in the book of Psalms from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134 that are these songs that God's people sang as they journeyed to Jerusalem for the three annual festivals where God mandated that every male in Israel would go for those festivals to the city of Jerusalem and they often took their entire family along with them. Those three festivals were the festival of Passover, the Feast of Weeks, and then the Feast of Tabernacles. And Passover commemorated God leading them out of slavery in Egypt. The Festival of Weeks commemorated the giving of the Ten Commandments to God's people. And the Festival of Tabernacles, they would actually build these little tabernacles, these little tents, and they would live in them for an entire week, commemorating the 40 years that the Israelites traveled through the wilderness. And as they went to Jerusalem for these festivals, they would sing these songs. They're called Songs of Ascent because you would go up to Jerusalem. It didn't matter if you were coming from the north or the south or the east or the west, you always went up to Jerusalem because Jerusalem is sitting on a hill. But I think the Song of Ascent could also be speaking to what was taking place in the hearts of the people as they made their, their pilgrimage to Jerusalem and as they got closer, their spirits would be rising with the anticipation of the festival, of the worship and the feasting and the time that they would spend there. So these are the songs of ascent and we still have the songs, but we don't have the pilgrimages anymore. We don't go to Jerusalem three times every year, but there are many times that we go on journeys in our life, and life itself is one incredible journey. This psalm that we're going to look at tonight, the second song of ascent, Psalm 121, I think is a very suitable psalm to remember any time you're embarking on a journey. It's a short psalm, it's only eight verses long, and those eight verses divide into four really nice little sections, so it's a really easy psalm to commit to memory. And so that would be one thing I would recommend to you tonight, is to memorize Psalm 121. It's an incredible prayer and blessing and reminder for the start of a, of a journey or a trip that you're taking, but also just a great prayer and blessing for you and your life any day along this journey that is our life here in this world. This evening we lit the candle behind the baptismal font and I asked Fred to light it because I wanted to talk a little bit about it today. It's a candle that you probably see every time you come into church but it's seldom lit and we call it the Paschal Candle. Paschal means something that has to do either with Easter or with Passover. This candle is lit at specific times throughout the year. First, we light it during the seven Sundays of the season of Easter. And so the little light on the top of that candle, and you can see maybe on the red band, the Lamb of God depicted, that little light is a reminder for us of our Savior, Jesus who is the light of the world, the light that no darkness can overcome. And as we light it during this season of Easter, we recall that not even the darkness of death was able to overcome our Savior. 
but he overcame death itself and rose to life. And so that candle is a reminder for us of the victory Jesus won at Easter. It's standing right now behind our baptismal font because we also light that candle at the baptism of our children or of adults. It'll be lit on Sunday. We have over 20 friends getting baptized on Sunday, and so it'll be shining very brightly on Sunday. Why do we light it at a baptism? Because what is happening in a baptism? That child, that, that young person, that adult is being united with Jesus in their baptism. So that now the life and death and resurrection of Jesus becomes their life and death and resurrection. The little lamb in the red band there, if you think back to the story of the Passover in the Bible, it's that time when Moses is asking Pharaoh to let his people go, and we've had the, the nine of the ten plagues, and now the tenth and final plague is coming, a plague where God says the firstborn son of every household in all of Egypt is going to die. But the sons of the Israelites were spared. If they brought a lamb into their home, and on the night that the plague was to be carried out, they slaughtered the lamb, and they took the blood from that lamb and painted it on the sides and over the doors of their homes. And when God sent his angel that night, it passed over the homes that had blood painted over their doors. And those sons were spared from death. What happens to you in your baptism is that our God washes the blood of Jesus, his son, that was shed for you at the cross and paints it over the lintel of your heart. He gives you new birth into a new life, life with a capital L, a life that death cannot touch because Jesus has already overcome death. So our baptism links us to Easter and to the victory that Christ won there. And then we light that candle one more time. We light it at the end of the journey, at a Christian's funeral. It's a reminder for us that while our loved one's body stands right there in front of us, death has passed them over. It is not death that has claimed them, but it is our Savior Jesus who claimed them and who took their soul home to be with him in heaven. And even that body will one day be made alive again and reunited with the soul, reunited with Jesus, with all of us as we enter into the new creation that he is going to make for us on the day he comes back. That's where this journey is taking us, right? The end of the journey is glorious. It's amazing. But along the road, as we go through our life, that journey has ups and downs. When you look at the first verse of Psalm 121, I want you to try to imagine yourself as one of the pilgrims in Israel making your way to Jerusalem to celebrate one of these festivals. 
And who knows what has happened since the last time you were in Jerusalem. Life is full of its trials and and struggles. But as you're reaching your journey's end and you're coming into the hill country of Judea, you see in front of you Mount Zion, and at its peak, the walls of Jerusalem, the city of David. And alongside that mount is another mount, Mount Moriah. And on the top of that mountain is the temple of God. The throne room of the maker of heaven and earth. And you get to go there to worship him. And you get to be joined there by your brothers and sisters throughout your entire country who are traveling with you toward that spot. And so as you lift up your eyes to that mountain, you're reminded that your God, your helper, is the one who made heaven and earth. And now you get to go and worship him. Can we put ourselves in their shoes? I think we can. Because while we don't have pilgrimages to Jerusalem, we do have an annual cycle that we go through in the New Testament church. And we don't have Mount Zion and Mount Moriah to go to, but we have mountaintops that we journey to again and again every year. And I think we can look at the seasons of Advent and Lent as our pilgrimage journey that take us on our way to the mountaintops of the birth of our Savior, of his death and resurrection and ascension. And so it's fitting for us to look at these songs of ascent during the season of Advent, and we'll do it again during the season of Lent, as we prepare our hearts to reach those festival days, Christmas and Easter, and the ascension of our Lord. So tonight we'll do that. We'll join together in reading the text of Psalm 121. Please read the words as they're printed on the screen. I wanted to go through the New King James Version of this translation for a reason that I'll point out in a little bit. But as we read it, keep an eye out for words that repeat themselves. I will lift up my eyes to the hills From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Those first two verses form a sort of prayer, a prayer, a confession of faith as a Christian is making that journey and looks up at the mountains and asks, 
where is it that my help comes from? And then acknowledges, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The next six verses form more of a blessing. Words that are spoken to God's people to bring them comfort and assurance. But that first part, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The God who at one time took his almighty power and put it to work to speak all of creation, this universe, into existence. That same God is now using that same power to be your helper, to help you and to watch over you, to guard you and protect you. And so vigilant is the care of your God on your behalf that he watches each of your waking hours, he watches your every step so that your foot will not move out of place outside of his notice, outside of his control. And even in the moments when you're unaware of what's happening, when you're sleeping, the Lord is watching. Because the Lord, your God, your Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, does not sleep. And so he is always able to watch over you. And so we can go with confidence as we come to bedtime and we get ready to lay our heads down and we can pray to him, along with your children, those words, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray you, Lord, my soul, to keep. We ask him to keep our soul. Psalm 1 and 21 tells us the Lord is your keeper. I've made this point before, but I'd like to make it again because I'd really like to change the way that you think. Not about everything, just about this one word, keep. Keep looks like a little word. It's only four letters long. And it seems like a verb that really doesn't mean a whole lot, and maybe we just skip right past it and keep on reading. But the verb keep, when we see that word in the Bible, it's a really big word. It carries a lot of significance. And I think it's helpful for us to understand that significance of the verb keep if we hold it alongside the noun keep. A keep is the tower or the stronghold that sits in the center of a castle or a fortress. It is the most secure part of a fortress. In time of war, when enemies would come against the land, all of the people would retreat within the walls of the castle. And if the castle came under attack, if the outer walls of the city fell and the castle was under attack, if its inner walls should be breached, they would fall back into the keep. And the keep is where they would be secured, is where they would be safe, protected, guarded against the evil that was at their doorstep. Well, the scripture teaches us that our God is our keep. And there are psalms where David uses that language, Lord, you are my refuge. Lord, you are my fortress. It's one of our favorite hymns. A mighty fortress is our God. 
all that's boiled into that, that image of God as our fortress is also there when we take it into the verb, the Lord will keep you. It means he's going to fortress you. He's going to, he's going to refuge you. He's going to guard you and protect you. So when we pray with our little ones at bedtime, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray you, Lord, my soul to keep. We're saying, Lord, watch over and guard my soul through this night. Protect me. As we read through the psalm, you maybe saw that word keep is in there a number of times. In the last couple of verses, we had the word preserve also another of t- number of times. Those two words in English are translating the same verb in the original text that's in this psalm six times. And it's the word that means to keep. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps his people shall not sleep. The Lord is your keeper. He will keep you from all evil. He will keep your soul. He will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. I don't know how good I am at the whole inception thing. But I hope that I can change the way you think when you hear that word keep. Especially as you read it in a Bible passage or as you hear it in the part of a service here. On Sunday when our friends are baptized, we have a blessing that we speak at the close of the baptismal rite. The Lord God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit has forgiven all of your sins. By your baptism, you are born again and made a dear child of your Father in heaven. May the Lord keep you in your baptismal grace all the days of your life. Go in peace. Every other week, we come up to the Lord's altar to receive his supper. And after we've eaten and after we've drank, we hear the words, brothers and sisters, This body and blood of your Lord and Savior Jesus will strengthen you and keep you in the one true faith. Your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. And then at the end of every one of our services, we hear the blessing that God has spoken over his people for 3,500 years. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. And maybe you notice, as I did when I was writing those down, that keep isn't the only word they have in common. But the last word of each of those blessings is peace. As we make our way through life's journey, with all of the hard parts that it brings along, it is possible to have peace when it is the Lord God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, who is your keeper. When you go along that journey, there are going to be bumps in the road. What you do when those bumps come along matters. Don't focus at the bump and get consumed with it and just have your face down. Lift your eyes up to the hills, to the mountaintops. Ask yourself, where does my help come from? Don't try to get over the obstacles, push through the hard things all on your own. 
Go to the one who is your helper, the one who is your keeper, who promises to guard and protect and to keep you safe. Go to the God who made heaven and earth because he is your keeper. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.